<laughs> anyway, speaking of rare finds, uh, there was another rare find off the coast of Ireland recently. Eric Dempsey can tell us all about this. Eric, how are you today? I'm very well, Derek. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I actually was down in Kerry as well um, last Wednesday, the 24th of August. Myself and my good friend Michael O'Cleary, who's the artist who's done the illustrations in the field guides with me, um, we decided that the wind conditions looked good for Wednesday. This is the time, as you know, that it's beginning to get into the, the autumn migration. And at this time of year, a lot of seabirds are on the move. There's birds, for example, like birds called great shearwaters that nest right down the southern Atlantic. These move north in our summer, which is their winter, of course, and they begin to move back off the coast of Ireland. And if the weather conditions are good, as in the winds are blowing strongly on shore, it will blow these birds into the coast. So we looked at the forecast and we said maybe Wednesday morning will be good. Now, we did see great shearwaters. We also saw two and a half thousand quarries shearwaters, which breed in the Mediterranean. Now, that's more quarry shearwaters in one day than I have seen in 45 years bird watching. It, it was a phenomenal movement of, of seabirds. But the big bird that we saw, and we saw it at the very beginning, we sort of just were scanning, and suddenly Michael O'Cleary says, what the hell? And that's the polite version. And um, we both scoped into where he was looking, and there in our field of view was a magnificent adult black-browed albatross. Now, there's only about 20 records for Ireland. It's like an enormous big fulmer. It's much bigger than, than the gannet. has about a 2.5 metre wingspan, an enormous big orange-pink bill, and a, a black mark over uh, the eye, which gives its name black-browed albatross. And these are the birds that soar effortlessly. And this bird was soaring past us off Brandon Head in County Kerry last Wednesday. And we watched it for about three minutes until it went around the corner. And it was possibly one of the, the most exciting bird experiences I have had for years and years and years. And the ironic thing about this, Derek, is that despite the fact that they are extremely rare birds in Ireland, both Michael O'Cleary and I have seen one already in Ireland. I saw one off Cape Clear Island off a boat and Michael has also seen one in the Sandy Bay area, which is part of the Brandon Bay area. So, like, despite the fact that it was such a rare bird, it wasn't a new bird for either of us in Ireland. And I suppose just to put the context of where these birds come from, these are the Southern Ocean Wanderers. These are the birds that are found nesting in places like the... Falkland Islands, off the, the southern Australian islands. These are far south birds. And what happens is occasionally a bird will cross the Atlantic and will often move with gannets. There was one that spent the summer in the UK this summer. So is it the same bird? It's possible because that bird has now left and it was hanging around with gannets. So there's been these odd occasional records. But it's about being in the right place at the right time. If we hadn't looked out there for three minutes, you know, after the time we arrived, or if we were looking elsewhere, because it's a very big open sea, you know, sometimes seeing these rare seabirds is just a matter of being in the right place and looking 
in the right section of sea and it's uh, it's as it's as mad as that but it was an extraordinary day and we we walked out to a place called Dedic Point which is a very tough climb down uh, right onto the coast at the back of Brandon Head and uh, it's an even tougher climb back out again eight hours later but it was one of the best days looking at seabirds that I've ever had in Ireland in my entire life. Now, there are people listening to this radio programme right now thinking that people like you and Michael O'Cleary are bonkers. But it's important that you tell us about these birds because it tells us something about the changing world we live in. It is because it gives you an indication of what's actually happening out there. And, you know, seabirds are capable of travelling great distances. And with climate change, uh, warmer ocean currents are moving further north. So the potential of seeing even more exotic southern species uh, is, is getting more and more likely. I mean... Niall, you know, you found a, a brown booby in Greystones two years ago. In my entire life, I would never, ever have imagined that I would see brown booby in Ireland. And yet, here was one in Greystones. So it's possible that with the warmer oceans, the warmer currents coming up from the south, the warming of the sea, more and more exotic seabird findings will take place. Thanks very much indeed for reporting it, Eric. And if you'd like to see a picture of the black-browed albatross, you can visit our website, rte.ie forward slash mini. Talk to you again, Eric. Thanks a million. Thank you, Derek. Take care. There goes Eric Dempsey. Probably gone off to the coast to see if he can spot anything else. Anyway, let's move on. Now, here's a fact which got us thinking. Did you know that there are some 689,000 kilometres of hedgerow in Ireland? That would be enough hedge to wrap around the equator over 17 times. And it is perhaps because they are so ubiquitous across every townland in the country that they are somewhat taken for granted. But along with giving our rural landscapes its distinctive texture and patterns, they are also an invaluable aid to biodiversity, forming highways through which wildlife moves and food and shelter for insects, mammals and, of course, nesting birds. And it's the latter we'd like to focus on next with the opening of the hedge-cutting season on September 1st. Our super researcher, John Bella Riley, as he calls himself, took off for a suitable hedge at Kildalton Agricultural College in Piltown, County Kilkenny, to chat with countryside management specialist Catherine Keena of Chagask about their Hedgerow Week, which runs from Friday 26th of August to Friday 2nd of September. Here's his report. Thanks for coming down, John. Great to be here, Catherine. So Chagast Hedgerow Week is a timely event as it coincides with the opening of hedge cutting season on 1st of September. Can you remind us why September the 1st is an important date? Well, it's important not to cut hedges before then during the bird nesting season because the birds are in the hedges, in their nests, the eggs, the small birds. So um, in order to protect the birds, that law is there that from a six-month period, from the the 1st of March to the end of August, uh, hedges cannot be cut because of nesting birds in order to protect them. Which birds would be most vulnerable to hedge cutting from March to September? Well, there are so many. There are about 50 bir- 55 birds that use hedges and maybe about over 30 of them that actually nest in hedges. So all the different layers of the hedge, you'll have the um, the, the dunnock and the wren and the robin would be buried deep there in the, in the base of the hedge. You'll have the thrush and the and the blackbird 
feeding on the hedge, feeding on the ground of the hedge, on the, uh, but they'll also nest in the hedge. So a lot of the songbirds. Then you will have other birds like uh, finches that nest in the trees in the hedges. So you have all these different, they all have their own little niche in the hedge. And of course, other birds then use it to feed, feed on the berries, etc. But yeah, so there are, the, the songbirds predominantly nest in hedges. So there is a distinction that you would like to make, Catherine, about two different types of hedges. Yes, based on structure. Number one is I call the escaped hedge, where it has escaped management, has never been topped. Uh, Some people might call it a tree line. It could be called a linear woodland. These are the ones with the trees sticking out of the top of the hedge because the tops have never been cut. A full line of trees whether they're oak or ash or, or even the white thorn growing up to 15, 20 metres. So the sides could be cut, but not the tops. Yes, side and, trimming is always okay. And there's this another type of hedge. The second type is the topped hedge, where the top is cut off the hedge and what people probably more classically think of when we talk about hedges. And that is where we side trim that from a wide base to a triangular profile, leaving the peak as high as possible, but keeping that thick base supporting the hedge rather than just a stump. And then most importantly, leaving occasional thorn trees grow up above the body of the hedge. So the body of the hedge should be at least one and a half metres, but can be up as high as the hedge cutter can nip the growing point and then leave the occasional thorn trees and the thorn trees, of course, will bring the flowers and they will bring the berries to attract the pollinators flowers and to attract the, the birds. Yes, flowers, okay. flowers for the bees and the, bir- the fruit for the birds. So often when we're driving down a country road, Catherine, we get stuck behind a tractor with a big, huge um, blade on it, a big, huge saw, um, cutting the hedge back. Who are these people or who are contractors to cut the hedges? Hedge cutting contractors cut the majority of the hedges in Ireland. They're a very, very important group. Currently, they get a lot of abuse for cutting hedges, which is unfortunate because we do need to cut the hedges, but in the right way, as we've discussed. So, yeah, hedge cutting contractors are employed by farmers to cut their hedges. So it's important that contractors and farmers understand what we're aiming for, and they are very willing to engage. At the end of the day, the contractor is being paid to do a job. They will do what the farmer wants. But we need a lot of education. The problem is, a lot of times, the farmer thinks the contractor knows best, the contractor thinks the farmer knows, and they both think the neighbour, thinking of the neighbour looking over the hedge, thinking of a nice, neat edge, which is not always what we want. So one of the events at Chagas Hedgerow Week is on hedgerow networks and biodiversity. Can you just give us a brief outline as to the role that hedgerows play in local biodiversity, Catherine? An amazing role. Birds, bats, bees, butterflies, everything uses hedges. And I think the most important part of them is their linear structure. So not only are they home and and food for the, the mammals and birds, but the most important thing is their connectivity, as you said, networks. So birds, bats, butterflies don't fly across the field. They fly along hedges. The barn owl, when it goes out at night, follows hedgerows, follow, finds the shrews and the small mammals at the base of a hedgerow rather than in the middle of a field. So uh, uh, for bats, they're the, they're the roadways through the, the networks through the countryside again. They follow hedges to you know to move 
you make hedgerow sound like very happening and exciting places with lots of activity and adventures going on. Absolutely. That's where they meet each other. That's where they go to meet others by travelling. They're the motorways through the countryside for our wildlife. So what are some of the highlights then for Chagas Hedgerow Week and how can the public get involved? Yeah, I suppose the highlights are for people to get into seeing what's going on at the Open Day in Johnstown Castle in Wexford, in Gurchin Agricultural College in Tipperary, the, the walk in Kilkenny with Norvision. So it's it's an opportunity to engage, you know, with contractors, with farmers and the general public because we all need to be singing off the same hymn sheet. You know, too often we think other people are looking at the hedges, you know, farmers and contractors and the neighbour is saying a tidy hedge and, you know, neat is not good. So we all need education and to talk to each other. Thanks to Catherine Keena of Chagask. And more details can be found, as always, on our website, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for tonight. My thanks to our broadcast coordinator, Jarleth Holland, our researcher, John Bella Riley, Enini Launa, Richard Collins, Terry Flanagan and Niall Hatch. We'll do it all again next week. Until then, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye.